Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this brand new show. It is Live 270, and this is a brand new show. It's actually a political podcast. Yes, I know. I swore that I wasn't going to get into politics for another month. But unfortunately, the itch just couldn't, uh, I just couldn't stay away from it. So we've decided to launch a new show. And as part of that, we have a brand new co-host. You've never seen him before, but his name is Mr. Kevin Gaona. Kevin and I go back many years, actually probably 30 years. We went to high school together. And uh, Kevin is also a uh, a former uh, member of the U.S. military. He served his country for many, many years. And uh, I welcome him on the show. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate that. Not a problem. Not a problem, sir. I'm glad to uh, have you on the show. I know that you and I had been on discussions for about a year, you know, trying to figure out when to do this. And uh, I felt that uh, the time was right. So for those of you that uh, uh, don't know what the show is going to be about, it is going to be a show that is going to be ongoing throughout this year, as well as all the way till November of next year. And we're going to dive into, um, you know, national politics primarily. And as you know, there's a lot going on right now in national politics. It seems every day, uh, you know, something's going on. But uh, we decided to actually do something a little different for our uh, show, uh, our starting show. We wanted to talk about uh, the recent revelations by... uh, a couple of whistleblowers uh, that actually had actually participated in a congressional hearing uh, about a week or so ago. And uh, Kevin, in your uh, life in the military, did you ever uh, run into any unexplained phenomena? And it doesn't necessarily have to be UFOs. <laughs> no, not like that. My, my field of, uh, or my occupational specialty was in satellite communications. Ah. So occasion, occasionally we had uh, what we called uh, unauthorized users, right? Yeah. So what that meant was that in our uh, field of view, in the spectrum analyzers, we would see signals. Right. We didn't know what it was, right? right? It was some kind of interference. Right. But it's different, way different than than a UFO or UAPs, right. which is the same thing. I, I want to point that out uh, from the very beginning, <laughs> that UAP and UFO, they're referring to the same thing. Right. Uh, right. They just uh, decided to change the terminology to try to get rid of the all the baggage that, uh, what, 60, 70 years of... of uh, hearing about little green men uh, right. brought with it they wanted to get rid of that yeah and so they came up with uaps <laughs> uh, but no I, I i never uh had an experience with uh with ufos or uaps yeah well that's one of the things that you know as you mentioned you know the the, the stories have been going on for 60 70 years i mean ever since the roswell uh, incident or what was coined the Roswell incident back in 1947, you know, which uh, I guess turned out to be a weather balloon. At least that was the official story, right? So, yeah. um, you know, there's been a lot of instances back and forth. You know, there was a government project called 
Project Blue Book back in the late 60s that kind of did a pretty thorough investigation on some of these claims as far as as UFOs go. But for the most part, you know, a lot of the times there's a lot of these claims have been discredited, you know, but there's always been that been that lingering question, right? And, um, you know, there are a couple of people that actually came forward, uh, you know, and did congressional testimony about a week ago with regards to UAPs. And it was kind of astonishing, you know, uh, to hear some of what they were saying, because these guys weren't like, they weren't like these kooks, you know, like from MUFON or something like that, you know, <laughs> where they claim to be abducted and stuff like that. I mean, these were career, uh, you know, military guys that actually, you know, primarily in the Air Force, I think. And they talked about, yeah. you know, some of the things that they saw. Um, I wanted to kind of flip over for a little bit to the other screen here, and we're going to try to show some of the clips. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the YouTube police will not uh, will not uh, come after me. I I they seem <laughs> to be uh, I seem to be a favorite target of them. And uh, you know, there's always that question, you know, what's copyrighted and what isn't, and it's kind of getting very fuzzy because. You know, the clips that I'm showing today to try to get around anybody claiming a copyright is through C-SPAN. And, of course, that's public. Uh, that's a public channel. So hopefully they won't make an excuse and say, well, yeah, it's a public channel, but oh, but you still can't do that. So we'll see what happens, you know. So if our stream gets cut off midway, which they've done in the past, I'll, uh, you know, we'll just keep on going. It's, you know, the 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 session is recorded afterwards, so I'm not really concerned about that. So let me go ahead and just play a few things here. Let me let me set up the screen because I didn't set it up for beforehand, which was bad of me, but that's all right. It's our first show. We can we can definitely uh get a pass. All right, let me uh let me do this real quick. Bring it up. Give me a second. There we go. It's up. Just let me just fix it a little bit here. And believe it or not, I this screen was actually a virtual theater at one time when we first started the other shows. So we used it as a virtual theater. It had curtains and everything, but uh, we, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that today. Let's see here. All right, so I've got things progress, right? Things progress, no doubt about that. All right, let me see here. So we've got that one. Yeah, I usually have all this stuff set up. What happened is somehow, and it's happened before, my VLC media player, I've installed it a few times and it just goes away. And I don't know what in the world's going on with that. When I was working at the church office some years ago, I always had that issue with the with that player also. Yeah. Where that, that would happen. I don't know what the deal is, you know. All right, here yeah. we go. So we're going to play a little bit of this clip, and we're going to do an intro. This guy is Ryan Graves. He apparently used to be in the Air Force, and he started an uh, organization called Americans for Safe Aerospace. 
and he primarily talks about uh, some of the things that commercial pilots as well as military pilots go through when it comes to reporting or the lack of reporting. So we'll just listen for a little bit and we'll just jump around here for a second. Chairman Grothman, Ranking Member Garcia, distinguished members of the House Oversight Subcommittee on National Security, Representative Burchett and Luna. My name is Ryan Fobbs Graves, and I'm a former F-18 pilot with a decade of service in the U.S. Navy, including two deployments in Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Inherent Resolve. I have experience advanced UAP firsthand, and I'm here to voice the concerns of more than 30 commercial aircrew and military veterans who have confided their similar encounters with me. Today, I would like to highlight three critical issues that demand our action. As we convene here, UAP are in our airspace, but they are grossly underreported. These sightings are not rare or isolated, they are routine. Military aircrew and commercial pilots, trained observers whose lives depend on accurate identification, are frequently witnessing these phenomena. The stigma attached to UAP is real and powerful and challenges national security. It silences commercial pilots who fear professional repercussions, discourages witnesses, and is only compounded by recent government claims questioning the credibility of eyewitness testimony. Parts of our government are aware of more about UAP than they let on, but excessive classification practices keep crucial information hidden. Since 2021, all UAP videos are classified as secret or above. This level of secrecy not only impedes our understanding, but fuels speculation and mistrust. In 2014, I was an F-18 Foxtrot pilot in the Navy Fighter Attack Squadron 11, the Red Rippers. And I was stationed at NAS Oceana in Virginia Beach. After upgrades were made to our jet's radar systems, we began detecting unknown objects operating in our airspace. At first, we assumed they were radar errors. But soon, we began to correlate the radar tracks with multiple onboard sensors, including infrared systems, eventually through visual ID. During a training mission in Warning Area Whiskey 72, 10 miles off the coast of Virginia Beach, two F-18 Super Hornets were split by a UAP. The object, described as a dark gray or a black cube inside of a clear sphere, came within 50 feet of the lead aircraft and was estimated to be 5 to 15 feet in diameter. The mission commander terminated the flight immediately and returned base. Our squadron submitted a safety report, but there was no official acknowledgement of the incident and no further mechanism to report the sightings. Soon, these encounters became so frequent that aircrew would discuss the risk of UAP as part of their regular pre-flight briefs. The organization has since become a haven for UAP witnesses who were previously unspoken due to the absence of a safe intake process. More than 30 witnesses have come forward and almost 5,000 Americans have joined us in the fight for transparency at safeaerospace.org. The majority of witnesses are commercial pilots at majority major airlines. Often, they are veterans with decades of flying experience. Pilots are reporting UAP at altitudes that appear above them at 40,000 feet, potentially in low Earth orbit or in the gray zone below the Kármán line, making inexplainable maneuvers like right-hand turns and retrograde orbits or J-hooks. Sometimes these reports are reoccurring, with numerous recent sightings north of Hawaii and in the North Atlantic. Other veterans are also coming forward to us regarding UAP encounters in our airspace and oceans. The most compelling involve observations of UAP by multiple witnesses and sensor systems. I believe these accounts are only scratching the surface and more will share their experiences once it is safe to do so. In closing, I recognize the skepticism surrounding this topic. If everyone could see the sensor and video data I witnessed, our national conversation would change. I urge us to put aside stigma and address the security and safety issue this topic represents. If UAP are foreign drones, it is an urgent national security problem. 
If it is something else, it is an issue for science. In either case, unidentified objects are concerned for flight safety. The American people deserve to know what is happening in our skies. It is long overdue. So this guy, you know, makes these claims that, you know, what some of these pilots saw was this sphere, this clear sphere and some kind of cube in a sphere. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of weird, right, that, you know, they would see that. I mean, what what is your take on, on that? I have always been incredulous of, of these claims. Yeah. Because most of the time, the the people who um, have made the claims have been, you know, I guess people like, like you and me, you know, just regular Joes, just people who are out there who are, uh, quote unquote, believers who are credulous, right? Um, and uh, I have, I have I have often classified them as hippies, whether that's fair or not to them. <laughs> People who are out there who have better nothing better to do, yeah. so they're looking for something. And you know, when you're looking for something uh, that devoutly, you're bound to to find something, yeah. right? Now, so course, I've never really, yeah, I've never ahead. really bought into it. Now, but course, now that you have, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Now that you have these kinds of individuals, people with a discriminating mindset that know the skies, that know the stars, that can differentiate, not not very clearly, right? Because these things, the, the way they describe them, they move fast, they have different, uh, they do uh, shifty movements in the sky, but these pilots, they're trained, whether they're civilian or military, they're trained, their eyes are trained to distinguish certain things in the sky. Yes. And so the, 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 it, that changes the, 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 like it's a paradigm changer for me in terms of, okay, let's, we need to like take a look at this. Yeah. Now, um, keep in mind that, you know, this guy doesn't look like somebody that just came out of Woodstock and had a little shot of LSD, right? I mean, this guy's got a record. Correct. Right? So we correct. can't necessarily say that he's a hippie. But, but you know, I mean, there I, I, I do get it. I mean, there are people that come out, you know, whistleblowers typically are people that are disgruntled and have a have an axe to grind with somebody typically, right? But this correct. this one's not actually the whistleblower. Uh, it's actually another one that we're going to show in a little bit. But I wanted to kind of ask you something here. Do you notice who this guy is right in back of him? He used to be what the rumor is, and I tried doing research last night in photos and pictures and so forth. This guy appears to be the former director of national intelligence under the Obama administration. And there was that's of, Is that Clapper? That's Clapper. I, That's I believe, what I thought. Yeah, I believe that it's Clapper, and the and there is all kinds of chatter on the internet uh, over the last several days. What in the world is Clapper doing at the hearing? Now, I did yeah. some research, and it turns out that Clapper was one of the guys that was involved in investigating some of these phenomena and things like that, or he was in charge of a group 
But that appears to be Clapper. Now, there was a couple of guys out there on the Internet saying, oh, no, 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 that's not Clapper. That's some other guy that used to work at DOD. I don't know for sure if it's Clapper, but it sure looks like Clapper. I mean, I even zoomed in to look at the at the ear shape and then compared it to old pictures of Clapper. And then some pictures of Clapper showed that he had a little bit more of a pointed ear like uh, Mr. Spock. God forbid he's, he's not <laughs> right. But no, but I believe that it is Clapper. So it's kind of weird, you know, why he was there. I mean, he wasn't there to say anything. Or maybe he was there to intimidate. I'm not really sure what the deal was, but I believe, you know, unless unless it's somebody else that looks like Clapper, that's Clapper. <laughs> let me uh, let me uh, full disclosure here. Yeah, I don't trust any of the intelligence intelligence agencies, which means I don't trust most of the directors, whether they were appointed by Republicans or Democrats. I have read several histories of the NSA or the CIA and the FBI. And so I am very hesitant to trust them, regardless of what they, regardless of what they're investigating and regardless of who they have been. One of the guys that I, that I do trust is Bob Gates. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, his record uh, on everything he has ever done, the guy is transparent. Now, the director of intelligence, you kind of do and say things for national security that are probably questionable. Uh, but uh, I don't like Clapper. Yeah. I think, anyways, I'm getting off topic, but yeah, if that's Clapper, that that makes all of these very, as the young people say now, very sus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely, you know, Clapper not only was his last stint was the director of national intelligence, but even before then, yep. he was in charge of the NSA. Yeah, know, yeah I know. Under, <laughs> and, and under the NSA, I believe, uh, you know, he uh, directed programs for all kinds of uh, uh, es- uh, domestic uh, espionage, or that's the accusation, you know, with regards to that. Yeah. So. You know, but that was a really shock to me when I kept on looking. And at first, when I saw the video, I was like, I've seen this guy somewhere before. And I've seen this guy somewhere before. And then it hit me. It's Clapper. And so then I went out there, tried looking at old photographs. I mean, I and I, I think it is. Some people were arguing that it wasn't. Uh, but it's just something to note that was kind of weird. So uh, He looks young to me. He, does he looks look, a little young to me. He does look a little young. But if you go back and look at some photos, recent and otherwise, eh, it's pretty close, you know. But you never know, you know. Nobody said yeah. anything. I, I mean, Clapper has not said anything one way or the other, right? But if it was Clapper, yeah, you know, there's definitely a suspicion. You know, what was he doing there? You know, so. So, you know, this is this guy, and then we've got the actual whistleblower. Let's see if I can. Thank you. Mr. Reich. Mr. Chairman, uh, ranking members and congressmen, uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is an important issue, and I'm grateful for your time. 
My name is David Charles Grush. I was an intelligence officer for 14 years, in the, both in the U.S. Air Force, uh, both active duty Air National Guard and Reserve at the rank of major, and most recently from 2021 to 2025, or excuse me, 2023, uh, at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, NGA, uh, at the GS-15 civilian level, which is uh, the military equivalent of a full bird colonel. I was my agency's co-lead in unidentified anomalous phenomena and transmedium object analysis, as well as reporting to the UAP task force, UAPTF, uh, and eventually, once it was established, uh, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, ARO. I became a whistleblower through a PPD-19 urgent concern filing in uh, May 2022 uh, with the Intelligence Community Inspector General. Uh, following concerning reports from multiple esteemed and credentialed current and former military and intelligence community individuals that the U.S. government is operating with secrecy above congressional oversight uh, with regards to UAPs. My testimony is based on information I've been given by individuals with a long-standing track record of legitimacy and service to this country many of whom also have shared compelling evidence in the form of photography, official documentation, and classified oral testimony to myself and many my various colleagues. I have taken every step I can to corroborate this evidence over a period of four years while I was with the UAP task force and do my due diligence on the individual sharing it. Uh, this is because of these steps, I believe strongly uh, in the importance of bringing this information before you. I am driven by a commitment of both uh, to truth and transparency, rooted in our inherent duty to uphold the United States Constitution and protect the American people. I'm asking Congress to hold our government to this standard and thoroughly investigate these claims. But as I stand here under oath now, I am speaking to the facts as I've been told them. In the U.S. Air Force, in my National Reconnaissance Office, NRO, Reservist Capacity, I was a member of the UAP Task Force from 2019 to 2021. I served at the NRO Operations Center on the Director's Briefing Staff, which included the coordination of the Presidential Daily Brief and supporting variety of contingency operations, which I was the Reserve Intelligence Division Chief uh, backup. In 2019, the UAP Task Force Director asked me to identify all special access programs and controlled access programs, also known as SAPs and CAPs, uh, we needed to satisfy our congressionally mandated mission and we were direct report at the time to the DEPSECDEF. At the time, due to my extensive executive level intelligence support duties, I was cleared to literally all uh, relevant compartments and in a position of extreme trust, both in my military and civilian capacities. Uh, I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade uh, UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, uh, to which I was denied access to those additional read-ons when I uh, requested it. I made the decision, based on the data I collected, to report this information to my superior, superiors and multiple inspectors general, and in effect becoming a whistleblower. As you know, I've suffered Retaliation for my decision, uh, but I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead uh, to a positive outcome of uh, increased transparency. Uh, thank you, and I'm happy to answer your questions. Yeah, so, you know, this guy, yeah, obviously he's the whistleblower, right? 
you know, he's had a military background, he's been in intelligence, but it almost seems when I listen to him is that, uh, as they used to say in most of our Hispanic families, le pone mucha crema a los tacos. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the same thing. You know, um, I mean, he spit out some agency names that I've never heard about. It had you ever heard about any any some of those agencies that he claimed to have worked? Oh with? yeah, oh yeah, I'm familiar with uh, everything he said there. Uh -huh. Like he's talking secrecy of secrecy of secrecy. Like I understand, I get everything he was talking about. Like, yeah, because yeah, I read like in, not in official capacity because my job and my rank in the military never. Uh, rose to that level, right? But in my, not a, net, nothing he said is classified, but because I read so much on the Intel uh, side of things uh, for my own, you know, just because I'm curious, yeah. uh, I'm familiar with, with like uh, the NGA, NGO things like the NRO uh -huh. uh, operation center and a bunch of those other things he was talking about. I didn't catch all of it. Uh, like I didn't, I wasn't able to write it. Yeah. Yeah. He had access to a lot of some of the most highly classified information regarding probably not just UFOs or UAPs, but other stuff, right? Uh, uh, national security, yeah, items, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like you know, it's one of those things, you know, I, I've, I've seen this video multiple times this week and prep for this and you know i am a little skeptical a little bit about some of his claims but you know he seems to be a guy once again not not just came out of woodstock smoking you know smoking weed or ls taking lsd but this guy appears to be somebody that was up in the upper levels of government you know um you know he talks about reverse engineering i mean you know i heard of you know, stories back in the 50s and the 60s when they captured, you know, Russian MiG fighters and they tried to fly them. And I don't know if there was anything to reverse engineer from the Russians, to be honest with you. It seems like their stuff was pretty antiquated. <laughs> so I'm not sure, you know, but uh, do you believe that that, there, that the military has reverse engineering programs for any captured aircraft of, or weapons of such? I have no idea. Yeah. I like I, my my uh, knee jerk response to that or reaction to it is, heck no, like, yeah. like no, like um, I I don't I don't buy it. I'd have to see it. Yeah. Uh, I even even being told by trustworthy people, I'm not going to buy it. I have to see it yeah. to believe it. As far as stuff like with the Russians and things, I know that we had like MiG-19s uh, and MiG-21s that we captured or we obtained through backdoor deals with other countries. And we had uh, a squadron, I can't remember what it's called, but we had a squadron of those planes that we used to train our pilots. Right. Um, uh, I can't remember what it's called. I have a book. Um, that I read a few years ago that tells the history of the squadron and all of that. Very, very interesting. Um, I mean, it was easier to do that than to try to reverse engineer it and build one and all of that. Right. Uh, they had different capabilities. Uh, that sometimes some of them were more maneuver, 
maneuverable than ours. Right. So getting one of them or two of them or however many of them uh, was good because then our pilots could train the, the dogfighting. You know, that I think that's where the Top Gun uh, was born. Right. Um, anyways, that's that's kind of a, a, a sidebar. Yeah, but I don't think we ever tried saying. to reverse engineer a MiG fighter. I, I don't think there was ever a need to. No, no. <laughs> I mean, we we yeah. had some of them. Yeah. We actually had the fighters, the MiGs, yeah. back in the 60s and the 70s, maybe, or maybe a little bit later. I think we started having them, uh, getting them in uh, during the Vietnam War. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a the one thing that I do want to point out from both this guy and and Graves, the first uh, witness, and one of the things that they're pointing out that is absolutely true uh, is the excessive secrecy and the the over classification of of material. Yeah. Um, and there's so much stuff uh, in that the government classifies whether it's confidential secret top secret top secret sei top secret sei with a polygraph top secret sei and then there's all of these different uh compartments right yeah that you and and they do it with a purpose right especially when you get to the to all the different compartments so that no one person has access to the whole pie. Right. Because if one person knows all the components of this one program, well, then they can sell it to the highest bidder. Exactly. Because they know everything. Right. So I understand that part. But uh, for the important programs uh, of national security. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that should not be classified. I mean, we, that's something that even freaking private that just came into active duty can if you know some of them are knuckleheads but a lot of them are smart and they see it and and because we went through it i mean i went through it right and we would have discussions about that in the barracks and when we're working shift i i I dealt with a lot of classified information yeah and we're like (laughs) this is a waste of time and paper right uh because then you got to destroy it i think uh 45 would say that, you know, he just took a few White House recipes from the White House chef and they, those became classified. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's more, don't, don't even get me started. Oh, don't worry. We'll have a special episode on that, on that whole story altogether. Now that yeah, right. that was going to be interesting. <laughs> All right. Now, the guy that was really, really astonishing, incredible to me, at least seemed a little bit more credible, was the next guy. Uh, more credible, I think, and maybe that it's just me. Uh, but the other, this other guy was a little bit more credible than these other two. Let's let's play him for a second. Thank you, uh, Commander Favor. Favor. Uh, thank you, thank you, Mr. Chairman, Congressman, Congresswoman. Um, I want to first thank you for the invitation to speak to the committee on the UAP topic that has been in the news for the past six years and seems to be continuing to gain momentum. As you know, my name is David Fravor. I'm a retired commander in the United States Navy. In 2004, I was a commanding officer of Strike Fighter Squadron 41, the world-famous Black Aces. We were attached to Carrier Wing 11, stationed on board the USS Nimitz, and had begun a two-month workup cycle off the coast of California. 
On this day, we were scheduled for a 2v2 air-to-air training with the USS Princeton as our control. When we launched off Nuit, my wingman was joining up. We were told that the training was going to be suspended and we were going to proceed with real-world tasking. As we proceeded to the west, the air controller was counting down the range to an object that we were going to, and we were unaware of what we were going to see when we arrived. <coughs> there, uh, the controller told us that these objects uh, had been observed for over two weeks, coming down from over 80,000 feet, rapidly descending to 20,000 feet, hanging out for hours, and then going straight back up, for those who don't realize, above 80,000 feet is space. We arrived at the location at approximately 20,000 feet in a controller called Merge Plot, which means that our radar blip was now in the same resolution cell as the contact. As we looked around, we noticed that we saw some white water off our right side. It's important to note that the weather on this day was as close to perfect as you could ask for off the coast of San Diego. Clear skies, light winds, calm seas, no white caps from waves. So the white water stood out in a large blue ocean. All four of us, because we were an F-18F, so we had pilots and Wizzo in the back seat, Looked down a small, saw a white tic-tac object with a longitudinal axis pointing north-south and moving very abruptly over the water like a ping-pong ball. There were no rotors, no rotor wash, or any sign of visible control surfaces like wings. As we started clockwise towards the object, my Wizzo and I decided to go down and take a closer look with the other aircraft staying in high cover to observe both us and the tic-tac. We proceeded around the circle about 90 degrees from the start of our descent and the object, object suddenly shifted its longitudinal axis, aligned it with my aircraft, and began to climb. We continued down another 270 degrees, nose low, where the tic-tac, or we considered 270 degrees, to where the, and we went nose low to where the tic-tac would have been. Our altitude at this point was about 15,000 feet, and the tic-tac was about 12,000. As we pulled nose onto the object, within about a half mile of it, it rapidly accelerated in front of us and disappeared. Our wingmen, roughly 8,000 feet above us, lost contact also. We immediately turned back to see where the white water was at, and it was gone also. So as we started to turn back towards the east, the controller came up and said, sir, you're not going to believe this, but that thing is at your cat point roughly 60 miles away in less than a minute. You can calculate the speed. We returned to Nimitz. We were taking off our gear. We were talking to one of my crews that was getting ready to launch. We mentioned it to them, and they went out and luckily got the video that you see, that 90-second video. What you don't see is the radar tape that was never released, and we don't know where it's at, of the active jamming that the object put on an APG-73 radar, and I can get into modes later if you're interested. What is shocking to us is that the incident was never investigated, none of my crew were ever questioned, tapes were never taken, and after a couple days it turned into a great story with friends. It wasn't until 2009 until Jay Stratton had contacted me to investigate. Unbeknownst to all, he was part of the ATIP program in the Pentagon led by Lou Elizondo. Uh, and there was an unofficial official report that came out that's now on the internet. Years later, I was contacted by the other pilot, Alex Dietrich, and asked if I'd been contacted, and I said no, but I'm willing to talk. I was contacted by Mr. Elizondo, and uh, we talked for a short period of time, and he said we'd be uh, in contact. A few weeks after that, I was made aware that Lou had left the Pentagon in protest and joined forces with Tom DeLong, Chris Mellon, Steve Justice, and others to form Two Stars Academy, an organization that pressed the issue with leading industry experts and U.S. government officials. They worked with Leslie Keene, who is present today, Ralph Blumenthal, and Helene Cooper to publish the articles in the New York Times 2017 uh, New York Times, and it removed the stigma on the topic of UFOs, which is why we're here today. Those articles open the door for the government and public that cannot be closed. It has led to an interest from our elected officials who are not focused on little green men, but figuring out where these craft are, where are they from, the technology they possess, how do they operate. It also led to the Whistleblower Protection Act and the NDAA. There are multiple witnesses coming forward to say uh, 
that have firsthand knowledge, and, and Mr. Grush just covered that. What concerns me is that there's no oversight from our elected officials on anything associated with our government processing or working on craft. Uh, believe not from this world. This issue is not a full public disclosure that could undermine national security, but it is about ensuring that our system of checks and balances works across all work done in the government using taxpayer funds. Relative to government programs, even unacknowledged WAVE programs have some level of oversight by the appropriate committee members in the House and Senate. And this work that is said to be occurring from whistleblower testimonies should not be exempt. In closing, I would like to say that the Tic Tac object we engaged in 2004 was far superior to anything that we had on time, have today, or are looking to develop in the next 10 years. If we in fact have programs that possess this technology and needs to have oversight from those people that the citizens of this great country elected in office to represent what is best for the United States and best for the citizens, I thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Yeah, so this guy was a Navy commander, I guess, you know, a few years back, and, you know, he observed, you know, this object that looked like a Tic Tac, you know, like the old Tic Tac candy, uh, you know, and he talked about maneuvers that, uh, you know, most conventional aircraft are incapable of doing today. So the question, if it isn't out of this world, you know, is it something that black ops programs within the government have worked on? Is it our enemies, primarily Russia or China, which are probably the only ones that could technically, you know, get to anywhere we can't? Not to say that they can. I'm just saying that out of all the countries, they probably are the only two that come to mind. Uh, I mean, what's your take on what this guy says? Earlier, I said that I have, uh, I've never really believed in UFOs. And what I meant by that is that I have never believed in the little green man theory, right? <laughs> I've always, but, uh, but I, I, what I have always believed, though, is that it was like a foreign uh, government that has developed technology and they're testing it. And we've never been able to figure out what it is. Uh, we have always had this arrogance about us that no one can have anything better than us in any area. Yeah. And, I mean, historically, it can be shown that there's been times when other countries, Germany, Japan, Russia, have, have had things, uh, techn technological advancements products that are better than ours i mean germany makes better cars than ours right i mean I, hey I, I love america and i i'll buy american even if i can afford other stuff i'll buy american right any any day of the week but that doesn't mean that german cars are not better than american cars right, right? doesn't make me anti-american because i recognize a fact right. and i say it um Militarily, the Germans, the Russians, and now China. There are disputes about how much or whether it's true that Russia, that China has better uh, AI and quantum computing and quantum cri cryptography systems and things like that. The fact of the matter is that China has spent more money more and done more research in some of those systems right they have their own space station they have other things they have 
stuff in the moon that we don't have. China has done a lot of things, is doing a lot of things that we haven't, that we stopped doing. So it, it shouldn't be far-fetched, it's not anti-American, to suppose that another country has quietly done things in aircraft design that we haven't thought about yet. Yeah. We don't we don't have the copyright on intelligence as right. much as we would like to think that. Yeah. Well that's so, one of the I, things I think that I think possible. recently Elon Musk even pointed out, uh, you know, uh, was that he talked about China and the fact that we should not discount the Chinese space program. That in fact yeah. it's, it, they're they're way ahead of the Russians, you know, while the Russians are over there invading countries and spending money on, you know, territorial conquest, uh, the Chinese are actively, uh, you know, uh, making their space program robust. And he made it very clear that that is a force to be reckoned with. You know, it's also no secret, and I don't understand why people in this country adopted it and look guilty as charged myself because I'm on TikTok. But people don't realize that TikTok is a Chinese company through and through. Yeah. So all these photos and pictures and texts and stuff like that that we're posting on TikTok, they are going through Chinese servers and mm-hmm. nobody seems to care, you know, uh, including myself because, you know, it's hard these days in social media to just be on Facebook and YouTube when you've got over here, all these people now on TikTok. So I'm, this shows on TikTok as well, you know, but you know, what I'm saying is that, you know, we tend to discount the Chinese technological edge. Like they're kind of ancient, you know, they're not, you know, they're not. (laughs) Um, Not by a long shot. No, no. I mean, you know, look right now, you know, we all know that Apple, Microsoft, Google, all of the, their devices, their phones and everything else. Yes, the engineering and the design is done here in the United States, but the manufacturing is done in China. It's done by a company called Foxconn and it's done by, by there's another company. I can't remember the name of the other company it was Foxconn and somebody else. But there's only two manufacturers and they sit in mainland China. And it's funny because, as I've heard some friends say, you've got a big facility in China here, and you've got one manufacturing line building an iPhone, and you got the other manufacturing line building the Samsung, and you got the other manufacturing line building an, an LG phone, and they're all done by the same team, and people don't know it, you know. At ten yeah. cents a day, by the way. Let's not forget ten cents a day for most of those workers. <laughs> well, and there's, I mean, think about who makes like seventy or eighty percent of the microchips for computers. Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't forget in, uh, India. India is a it, it's a we think of India as a poor country, and a lot of people associate poverty with maybe being dumb. Because they're poor, but they're right. poor because of their economic system and because there's so many of them. They have their population is larger than China. People don't realize that now. India right. has surpassed China now, but they're a highly intelligent people. 
And I mean, if you call Microsoft or Google or many other uh, those tech companies for support, your call goes to India. Exactly. It may it be is. hard to understand them, <laughs> but they know how to fix problems. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, again, uh, you know, th they may not have all the resources in the infrastructure yet to develop some of these uh, spacecraft and those kinds of things. Uh, but there are countries that do. China and Russia have the resources and the know-how and the infrastructure to do it. Yeah. Um, so going back to the UAP UFO, uh, what is it? Is it little green men? Is it space aliens? Or is it, you know, a, a foreign uh, country? I go with the foreign country. Yeah. I could be wrong, you know? Yeah. It's never happened before that I'm wrong, but it, this could be the first time. Yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 interesting because, you know, I mean, just to hear these guys talk about how quick and fast, you know, these so-called objects go, you know, it's it's unconventional. I mean, you, I mean, you know that an airplane, you know, has a certain ceiling, a maximum ceiling height. I can't remember where it's 40,000 feet or whatever it is. But then, you know, an airplane can't do the kind of maneuvers without running into stalls. I mean, I've, I've been watching a few YouTube videos. I don't know why I get into these YouTube videos or they come to me. I sometimes feel if I ever hop on an airplane one day, I think I'm going to die in a crash or, because I get them all the time on, I get them all the time on YouTube. And I, I've seen the, the, the stories about the stalls and stuff like that. And it's scary. I mean, it is really scary. The kind of things that a plane, you know, can go through during a stall. And then if, you know, remember that plane over there in the Pacific, that Alaska one that flew from Mexico over to, I think it was headed to Los Angeles and the vertical and horizontal stabilizers messed up because the jack screw was kind of messed up and the thing went like straight down, you know, knee down. Yeah. I mean, those are things that airplanes can't do. I mean, they we see Arab acrobatics and aerobatics on an air show but that's different but a normal airliner per se can't yeah do those things you know <laughs> there was an incident in what is it 2019 and i'm gonna go on a limb and i'm gonna say that it was the uss omaha uh -huh. that caught uh the the uh Information Operations Center, I think that's what it's called, caught and recorded some kind of, like a, I think it was a spherical spacecraft. Yeah. And he was doing these things under underwater. Yeah. Underwater. And the way it was moving, it was unnatural. Like the physics are not possible. Right for what we know that a spacecraft, a man-made spacecraft, should not be able to do the things that this thing was doing, right? right? And so, what is it? Who designed it? Why was it around a, a US spacecraft that did not the radar did not catch it until it was right in front of it. And by that, I, I don't mean like it was like five feet from it. It was, right. but it was with well within, 
if it had a weapon system, and maybe it did, and maybe, but it didn't use it. But it just showed up too late for our our ship to take a first shot. Right. 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 So it makes you wonder. Like I I read these things, and there's a C four ISR dot net uh, website that has all it does is no political BS. Yeah. It's just all of this defense related news, right. uh, whether it's uh, uh, it's mostly dealing with tech in every area of tech and military. Yeah. Right. And uh, I read too much junk. I'm always reading. Um, <laughs> I get sometimes that's what triggers them. Uh, yeah, it's like it makes you wonder. And sometimes I think like, okay, that's probably something not man-made, right. right? Because our people should be smart enough, unless they don't want to tell us. Right. But our, our top scientists in the military at DARPA or whatever, they should know if that's sort of possible, right? Right. And they tell us, oh, that's not possible. Hey, if it's possible, DARPA would know. Right. But DARPA also would not tell us. <laughs> right, right. For those, for people who may not know, DARPA is Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, right? Yep. It's the Pentagon's brainiacs. Yep. No, no, yes. We've heard a lot about DARPA. Now, you know, I hope to God that, you know, if it if it is advanced technology, that I hope that it is something that this country is developing, is developing and not... Yeah, Russia or China. I mean, obviously, you know, here locally, you know, we with a few friends, you know, we're always talking about SpaceX. You know, we're here 20 miles away from the launch pad. And I don't know if you've been down here and been down there, but you can literally drive up. I mean, there's basically no security. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I were Russia or China, I'd be having people over here just spying left and right. But you can yeah. literally just walk in very close to the high bays and see the stuff that's being developed. Not to say that, you know, SpaceX, um, you know, is any more advanced than maybe the Chinese program is. But what I'm saying is there's not a whole lot of security or it's like they just don't really care if people walk in or not. I'm not saying you can go all the way in. No. But you can get close enough to take pictures. And, you know, there's a ton of YouTubers down here that are constantly, you know, taking all sorts of video. You know, sometimes I'm wondering if that's such a good thing or a bad thing, especially when it comes to our enemies. You know, it seems like now the Russians or the Chinese don't even have to recruit anybody. They just go onto the Internet and log into any of these YouTubers and they can get all the all the information they want, all the video they want, just by just by logging into YouTube. You know, I don't know. It's it's I from just, what I have. Yeah, from what I have read, there's nothing new in the design of the rockets or anything like that. The cons and so my concern with the lack of security there is that it could easily be over overwhelmed and they can like blow up the place. Right. And that and that's a problem, a serious problem, not just for uh what's the satellite service? It escapes my mind. Starlink. Starlink. Yeah. Um 
which is uh, I, I the quality of service is up for debate for yeah. different people in different in different areas and it has to do with the number of satellites that are up in space still and the way they criss they're crisscrossing like this like as they're rotating right they're like above each other it's it's a really crazy uh layout the way that the way uh the the constellation of satellites is passing the service from what for one customer to, the way the satellites interact but anyways that's yeah yeah uh, it's i don't just... want to geek out on that yeah. but the 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 concern is for like the way what they do for nasa and, and what they do for other other they're not doing stuff just for nasa right okay so i'll i'll just leave it at that yeah. that's my concern that they could easily damage the the, the launch facilities uh if they wanted to and set set us back right um for some uh other uh missions right um, exactly and that's the thing you know right now other than spacex because you know boeing is still having a hard time with their uh with their rocket program they can't get that thing off the ground uh i know uh spacex is the only rocket company that can get us to back and forth to the space station so if we were to lose SpaceX's capabilities, we'd be up the creek. I mean, we'd have to go back and negotiate with Vladimir Putin once again and pay him millions of dollars to ferry cargo yeah. and astronauts back again. I mean, that was just a complete waste of money and time that we spent paying those Russians for stuff that we could have done ourselves. You know, we literally gave them millions for them to divert to invest in their own, you know, military programs again, you know, just exactly. because we, I mean, it was just a waste. So, you know, it, it's, it's just unfortunate, but I really hope back to this topic that it is us, that it is us and that it's not the Chinese because I'm not so sure about the Russians, but the Chinese, you know, they got caught with their hands in the cookie jar just a few months ago when they had that Chinese balloon, you know, flying over, you know, some of those yeah. uh, sites in North Dakota, you know, the, the, the missile sites and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's just it's just my hope is that, you know, if it's not little green men, then I hope that we're <laughs> at that. It's us that is doing this and that it's nobody else, you know, for that matter. Right. If we yeah, get dis- yeah if we if Google disconnects us, I will resend you another link. Okay, just want to let okay. you know that. Okay, so I want to play just a last clip because this video is long, and you know we could probably have a part two, but I don't think I want to have a part two of this topic anymore. Uh, I want okay. to get to Grush because he makes some claims which are astonishing. Let me let me get there. I still think that guy's clapper, but I don't know. <laughs> Let's see here. Let me go ahead and find the other clip. Let me. Uh, let me switch screens for a second while I set up the other clip. I'll switch back to this while I set up the other clip. Give me a second. Yeah, that guy looks just like Clapper. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I saw that he was bothering me because I couldn't figure out who he reminded me of. And I then hope when you started talking I about really, it. I really hope I'm wrong because... If I'm not, then um, then I really am like, okay, what what's he doing there? Anytime you have an yeah, that's fishy. 
Let's see if that's Clapper. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Let me let me reset the video here. All right, and this is Representative Nancy Mace. She's a Republican from South Carolina, and she kind of gets down to the meat of this, and I'm a little astonished by Mr. Grush's remarks. Uh, whether they're true or untrue, God knows. Whether he was on something that day, who knows, but here we go. <laughs> stated that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the most shocking part of this whole congressional testimony. I had never heard somebody say that, not even close, not even the cigarette smoking man on the X-Files would have ever said something like that. You know, so, I mean, what's your take? I mean, is this guy loony or is there some truth to this or we just don't know? I mean, it's just so crazy, you know? Like, what does he mean by biologics? Like, well, you know, that's the first time that I have heard that word used in a sense to describe sentient beings, so to speak. You know, uh, you know, I had I heard that word before a few months ago in a in a business setting, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what he means by biologics. I mean, what does he mean? Does he mean uh, an amoeba? <laughs> Does it mean a single cell organism? I mean, you know, and then his hesitance to speak about it in public, obviously, because, you know, because they're they're saying that they're they're going to drag these guys into a skiff. I guess it's a secure communication room location that Congress, I guess, can can do. But, you know, it, it just it that was I think that was the most astonishing part of this whole thing. You know, was that claim? You know, um, I just don't know. You know, it, it's it's it's. I've never heard anybody say that before. You know. Yeah, because it's Ebola, but biologic could be just components of a living organism, right? So it right. could it could be. I mean, is it just like I don't know, DNA? Yeah. Is it is it human DNA? Because if it's just human DNA, that means it's a the spacecraft is man-made, and there was human DNA left there, and it was being flown remotely. I mean, is that what it is? That what that is? Yeah. They make it. They making it seem like by using the word biologic and not using human DNA instead. They're, they're making it seem like it's something other world, right? But I am not convinced 
because of what biologics can mean. Right. So they need to be more specific. Uh, and it just last night I had a, I'm taking a course on <laughs> applied cryptography. So I was up on very late reading. Oh gosh. Uh, on, yeah, it's a crazy <laughs> course. It's kicking my behind. Uh, but I was, I, I was, I got into a discussion about the Clipper site, uh, uh, the Clipper uh, chip, right? Which essentially, the, the you, do you know what that is, right? Uh, it's like an encryption chip, right? Right. And the NSA in the nineties wanted for every telecommunications uh, entity in the U.S. to use it and to give the the, the key to the NSA, so the NSA could basically read every american's mail right right because there's encryption yeah in encryption there's a public key and a private key right right. without the private key they can have the public key but without the private key there they can't do it supposedly right and the congress said heck heck no so it didn't go through anyways so one of the one of the discussions we had online was about the, the, the what do we think about that should should the NSA have or not have this private key? Right. Uh, and so I got into it with this guy. He was saying that they should for national security reasons, especially with the, what we know after 9-11. Right. So then we started discussing the Patriot Act. Kim and I, we got deep. We, I mean, we thought we got into the weeds about the Patriot Act and all of that. Uh, and... Uh, the the issue with the way people define things and excessive excessive secrecy the government can throw around those terms to prosecute people to hide things to do whatever they want once they throw excessive secrecy uh what they were saying about over uh a classification uh national national security they don't have to tell you anything Right. right, which is what they've done with the JFK assassination, with UFOs, and now they're changing the language because they don't want to tell you about UFOs, so they're changing the language. Right. I mean, there's a report I can I, I downloaded it today. I think I still have it open on my phone. I'll try to read it. Uh, it's called the uh, preliminary assessment of the U of UAPs. It was released a year ago. It's like. This is a, a brief summary. It's nine pages. Um, There's nine pages of nothingness. <laughs> you know, right. it's a government putting out a document that they're, it's for the public, but they don't tell you anything. Right. Because it's secret information. They can, it's for national security reasons. You know what? I call BS. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think? And so. What do you think about somebody like snowden for example you know it shocks me that uh a guy of his of his uh no stature what should i say at his level would have that much access to that much information i mean i'll be honest with you you know when i've worked at companies even though i worked in it there is one set of files that I wasn't privy to and I wasn't allowed to see, and that was HR files. Anything related to the employee's personal information, we didn't have access. If we were caught 
trying to get access, that was automatic termination. So how did how does somebody like Snowden, you know what I'm saying? How 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 in the world was he able to get all these so-called secrets? And by the way, we don't know what all these secrets are. He still has not given it. I don't think anybody, even though I don't think even the Russians have it as to what he's got. I mean, but you know You'd be surprised how lax the government can be. Not not everyone and not every organization. But that's why that's why the the phrase exists. Yeah. It's good enough for government work. Yeah. Right? It exists for a reason because uh even the most of reputable government institutions yeah. of which the military is one yeah. uh, but there are within different I'm going to use the word branches but I'm not just referring to the military within there are branches within institutions call it the IRS, the FBI NSA, call it Department of, the, of Commerce, whatever there are units within that where people are lax uh, because you have you have knuckleheads you have people that are lazy that are incompetent that somehow manage to get to positions of of influence of authority uh there are people who are supposed to have oversight or exercise oversight over say privacy issues right, right. or classification right and they don't train those beneath them or below them they don't train them properly they don't enforce the rules they don't enforce the the regulations instead over time there is a deterioration of the of discipline and the respect for those for those laws for those regulations and so people say hmm, there's going to be someone that's going to say hmm, can i get away with this yeah or there's somebody like snowden that i have mixed feelings about him right personally yeah. but there's somebody who says hey what we're doing is not right the nsa should not be spying on americans the way we are right now there are things that snowden revealed if i may throw in my two cents here yeah, very briefly about my, my personal <laughs> view there are things that he revealed that i'm glad we know yeah so that we could supposedly Put a stop to it. Yeah. On the other hand, he also revealed things that, to some extent, endangered people. Right. It happened during some of the doc, some of the stuff that that Hillary Clinton had in her in in the in private, private server, server. that all <laughs> that also endangered people. Uh, some of them in China. In other countries, endanger them, right? Yeah. But uh, so I have mixed feelings about Snowden. Yeah. But to your point, to your question about how does somebody like him, his lack of stature—you you use the word—we're gonna use the word stature. He's he was at a very low level. He's a young right. guy. Right. How was he able to access so much information that was should have required a much higher uh level of of access to be able to even see that much less be able to copy it right 
exactly. I mean, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that we did in one of the companies that I worked for is we disabled the USB uh, ports. Exactly. <laughs> you could you could stick a USB uh, stick in there, and there was nothing you could take out. I mean, it's an it's an easy fix. Yeah, it is an easy fix. Now, what's your take on Congress? I mean, one of the things in some of these videos that these guys claim is that a lot of these black ops programs, even Congress is not aware of. I mean, do you think that's true? I mean, do you think that, that Congress is doesn't have that kind of oversight, that a lot of things are kept from Congress that they don't know about? I mean, it almost seems like they don't know, you know. I mean, keep in mind, they don't even know what's in a bill. You know, normally a, a three hundred page bill, let alone this. Yeah, I, I buy that. I think they're uh, willingly ignorant. Yeah. Like they, they, like they when, don't want to know. When you say willingly, you say se hacen los tontos. Yeah, the, the, like the out of, sight, ah. out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like they, they have contact with people at the top of these other institutions like uh, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agencies, the uh, what's the one that that has a very uh, passive sounding name uh, that sounds like the sounds like, almost like the National Geographic uh, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Magazine. It sounds like that, but they're actually a spy agency. I mean, they they have they they they're the ones actually they can they have general oversight over all U.S. satellites, right? Yeah, isn't they're, that like, the, the National Oceanic and? Yes, that's something. the one. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Um, it sounds you know. Oh, they deal with, uh, they're taking pictures of, of the ocean. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they also control, every, they're the final authority on every single satellite, whether yeah. it's surveillance, reconnaissance, communications satellite that the U.S. owns, and there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so the Congress, by law, has oversight over all of these agencies. Yeah. So there is a committee member in a like the chairman in the in of every committee and subcommittee and the ranking member that have some kind of uh, uh, li liaison with all of these agencies mm -hmm. and they protect each other from knowing what these agencies are doing because they don't want to they don't want to have oversight just do your thing, and if it's controversial, I don't want to know about it. We right. don't want to know about it. Just do your thing. Just leave me out of it. Yeah. Like I know that that's that that's the case. Yeah. Um. Now, if it can benefit me, then I want in on it. Right. Now, I want to play another clip real quick, and you know, luckily we haven't been booted off by Google, but I want to play a clip by somebody that surprised me was part of a. He was actually in the hearing, and I get a kick out of him because I think he's kind of loony at times. But uh, I think you you know who this guy is. Let me see if I can find him. Hold on. Let's see if I can find this guy. Uh, where are you? Where are you? 
Let's see. Ah, here he is. That yeah, way, but I will say, uh, I'll call it a lazy attitude about declassifying videos. I mean, I've seen some of the videos I'm, of I'm a, you know, the recent guy. shoot down. See, I could find it. Oh, Matt. No, gets, it gets. Gets. <laughs> I was really surprised, but let me, but I want you to hear what his complaint was. And, you know, I'm surprised with these Republicans, you know, typically I don't, would think Republicans would be several months ago my office received a protected disclosure issue. from Eglin Air go. Force Base indicating that there was a UAP incident that required my attention I sought a briefing regarding that episode and brought with me Congressman Burchett and Congresswoman Luna uh, we asked to see any of the evidence that had been taken by flight crew in this endeavor and to observe any radar signature uh, as long as to, as well as to meet with the flight crew we were not afforded access to all of the flight crew and initially we were not afforded access to images and to radar thereafter we had a bit of a discussion about how authorities flow in the united states of america and we did see the image and we did meet with one member of the flight crew who took the image the image was of something that uh, i am not able to attach to any human capability either from the United States or from any of our adversaries. And I'm somewhat informed on the matter, having served on the Armed Services Committee for seven years, having served on the committee that oversees DARPA and advanced technologies for several years. Um, when we spoke with the flight crew, and when he showed us the photo that he'd taken, I asked why the video wasn't engaged, why we didn't have a FLIR system that worked. Here's what he said. They were out on a test mission that day over the Gulf of Mexico. And when you're on a test mission, you're supposed to have clear airspace, not supposed to be anything that shows up. And they saw a sequence of four craft in a clear diamond formation for which there is uh, a radar sequence that I and I alone have observed in the United States Congress. One of the pilots goes to check out that diamond formation and sees a large floating, what I can only describe as an orb Again, like I said, not of any human capability that I'm, that I'm aware of. And when he approached, he said that his radar went down, he said that his FLIR system malfunctioned, and that he had to manually take this image um, from one of the lenses, and it was not automatic, automated uh, in collection, as you would typically see in a test mission. So uh, I guess I'll start with Commander Fravor, in, how should we think about the fact that this craft that was approached by our pilot uh, had the capability of disarming a number of the sensor and collection systems on that craft? Well, I think this goes to that national security side. You can go back to a history of things showing up at certain areas and disabling our capabilities, which is disheartening. And for us, I mean, like I said, it, it completely disabled the radar on the aircraft when it tried to do it. And the only way we could see it is passively, which is how he got that image. So I think that's a, that's a concern on what are these doing, not only how do they operate, but their capabilities inside to do things like this. And, and how should we think about forecraft moving in a very clear formation, equidistant from one another, um, in a diamond? In all of the phenomenon, perhaps, Mr. Grave, that you've analyzed, um, have we ever seen multiple craft in a, in a single formation? 
I have one particular case, and that was uh, during the gimbal incident. Um, the recording on the AT FLIR system shows a single object that rotates. Um, you hear the pilots refer to a, a fleet of objects that is not visible on the FLIR system, and, and that was something that I witnessed during the debrief as part of the radar data on the situational awareness page. I would like to add, however, Congressman, uh, there's a small, uh, small bit of uh, uh, anger, I would say, I would feel that those pilots are still uh, facing that difficulty in reporting this topic and they don't have the tools to be able to mitigate this issue. It just goes to show how serious this is and why this is such an important issue for our pilots and for our nation. It was stated explicitly to me by these test pilots that if you have a UAP experience, the best thing you can do for your career is forget it and not tell anyone because any type of reporting, either above the surface or below the surface, uh, does have a perceived consequence to these people, and that is a culture we must change if we want to get to the truth. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I, I would observe that perhaps as we, uh, as we move forward from this hearing, there are some obvious next steps. Every person watching this knows that we need to meet with Mr. Grush in a secure compartmentalized facility so that we can get fulsome answers that do not put him in jeopardy and that, and that give us the information we need. Second, I would suggest that the radar images from, um, that were collected of this formation of craft out of Eglin Air Force Base, and specifically the actual image taken by the actual flight crew that we can actually validate, um, be provided to the committee, subpoenaed if necessary, um, so that we're able to track how to get this type of reporting and analysis done in a more fulsome way. That would be my recommendation, humbly, as a guest here of the Fine Oversight Committee. I yield back. Yeah, so this is Matt Gates. Wow. You know, they were denied access to those images and those radar images. But what was kind of astonishing, I guess, in this piece was that the, this aircraft, whatever it was, not only was flying around, but they were able to disable key systems. I mean, that's pretty impressive. It's almost like you're talking about EMP-like, you know, capabilities you know you know we've heard about EMP and you know how you know systems can get disabled you know there's been all kinds of stories about you know EMP weapons as with regards to you know uh, the power grid and you know military installations I mean what's your take on that capability that's pretty scary that somebody some kind of thing out there can just disable your stuff you know well, think of, think about every in a combat environment. Think about consider the scenario where let, let's relive Pearl Harbor, yeah. but writ writ large, where where the homeland is under attack, and the president gives the order and Pacific or, or planes in California, Virginia, East and West Coast, they launch into the Pacific and into the Atlantic, right? And we're gonna fight from the West or from the East. And you have hundreds and hundreds, thousands of planes. I don't know if it's thousands, but certainly hundreds of, of, of fighter jets right. out there. And bombers and right. and refueling jets, and there's whether they're man-made 
whether the human or not. These planes have the capabilities to this, maybe not drop them, you know, like with that weight into the ocean, but these, whatever these spacecraft are, they have the capability to disable maybe even weapon systems on our fighter jets. Right. So not only are these jets unable to fight, these pilots are at the mercy of these aircraft, and so is the homeland. Right. Yeah. It is scary. Uh, so, okay, so let me throw this here. Let me throw this other thing here, these UFOs. Let me throw a, 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 a wrinkle into this scenario. What if, so we are aware of UFOs, but what if there are hundreds of these things too, but we haven't seen them because we there are these kinds of things, but there are also underwater. Right. Remember the movie, uh, oh, with Sam Harris. Um, it's an old, old movie. I had the name, and it just, it's at the tip of my tongue. Anyways, but what if there's something underwater in the oceans that sees our submarines? We don't see it. We don't detect it. Obviously, the plane, these, these uh, spacecraft, they show up, and our jets don't detect it until it's, like, running right in, in front of them, and they disable our radars. What if there's things underwater that can do the same thing to our subs? Right. We are de completely defenseless. Right. Yeah. That's pretty. I mean, if it's that 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 pervasive, we're in trouble, man. All of these hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars we spend on defense. Like, what about it? Yeah. Exactly. I mean. You talked. You talked to. You touched a little bit about you were into satellites. Does it worry you, the amount of satellites that are actually going out in orbit now? I mean, you know, you've got Elon over there, building constellations left and right. You've got other companies now that want to get into the big satellite business. Seems like everybody wants to put their own satellite. Are we ever going to run out of space to have these things lurk around, or, or are we just going to have to go higher and higher? I mean, I'm I'm surprised that. You know, things don't crash against each other with all the amount of stuff lurking around up there, you know? I think eventually you're going to have crashes yeah. in space. Yeah. Uh, because people don't realize, the, and I, I don't don't know off the top of my head anymore, but the velocities that they're traveling at are a high velocity. Yeah, so I think there's 17,000 the miles an hour or something like that. Something. Yeah, like that. The, the velocities are crazy. So even the smallest object, if it's the if it, something hits the right spot on a satellite, it can kill it or kill certain components. Right. Um, for example, there, there are satellites, there's something called phased array antennas. Uh, or take a multi, take a multi multi beam antenna, right? So what that means is that it has, and there they can be configured. So there's like these, like let's call them circles. They're cones, right? On the, on the satellites, on these antennas, right? Right. And it's like a honeycomb. 
Right. And you can, from Earth, you can send commands to reconfigure these to focus the energy, the RF energy, at some point on the Earth. Right. And uh, to, for, for a better signal. Well, if a couple of quarter-sized uh, fragments of metal or something in space hit some of those honeycombs, they ruined them, right? So you've lost two things, two, two, two uh, components that can they cannot provide service uh, to certain. They're not fixed to a certain ge geographic point on Earth, right? But you've lost the ability to use those two uh, beams. They're called beams. You cannot use those two beams to provide communications or if you ever either imagery uh, satellites you cannot use them to do whatever it is that you're supposed to do right right, right. And those things are gonna happen right uh eventually yeah as far as does it bother me it doesn't bother me that yeah. you know the more the merrier as far as satellites being sent up in space <laughs> uh I know that there. I have a lot of friends that are still in that business. Yeah. Uh, I have one who's pretty high up in the in uh, working with uh, uh, Lockheed Martin. Yeah. Uh, there's another one who works for Raytheon, but Lockheed Martin is the is the big baby uh, in in that in that scenario and in that field. And they're just building smaller and better satellites right um, when i was working this is not classified when i was working there's a constellation called discus yeah uh, defense satellite communications subsystem system uh, and at the time there was a constellation of like 10 or 12 satellites and you needed to have, I think it was like seven or eight active satellites to provide complete Earth coverage. Wow. When I was medically discharged from the Army in the beginning of 2008, they were just beginning to launch the new constellation that was going to replace that one. Wow. And it was called the WGS Constellation. You only needed three of those to provide full coverage of the Earth, but I think it was like ten times the bandwidth of the entire previous constellation. Wow! It was a leap in capability. It was insane. Yeah. Um, what you could do with those, and so not just the bandwidth, but you could swap you could do changes in um in uh, uh frequency um like go from one band to the next so like you could go from uh x band to ku band or k k that's getting a little nerdy or geeky right. sorry yeah, uh, right. you could go to different bands yeah. uh for the new satellite so yeah it was it was really cool stuff, man. I get I get kind of excited when I start talking about that. <laughs> I still read. I still read. I have a book in my bookshelf. Uh, actually, several books because yeah. uh, I keep buying 
uh, stuff. When I get bored, I go to Amazon and yeah, <laughs> I buy too much stuff. Yeah, no, not a problem there. It's the more reading, the better, you know. So overall, yeah. uh, Kevin, what do you think? Uh, Little Green Men, Undecided, um, to be, to be uh, continued. I mean, it's it's interesting I'm, stuff. I'm not, dis- I'm not decided, but uh, I, I I need to I need to do more reading than this guy, David. Fravor, the last one, the, oh, the, the, Fravor, Na- yeah, the naval commander. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he seems very very centered. Yeah. And his testimony is crazy. Yeah. And the fact that they don't want to give uh, Gates access to some of this information uh, and some of the stuff that I read, uh, I, it's it's flipping me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like there's. Well, I definitely would would love if I could be part of that skiff. You know, it would be it'd be interesting, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, that skiff stands for sensitive, compartment, com, compartmented information facility. Yeah. So, no radio signals can come in or out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty. Well. You know, we went over an hour and 30 minutes, which is longer than we anticipated, and we didn't get knocked out by Google, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so everybody, um, this was our episode. Obviously, you know, there's still a lot of questions unknown with regards to these revelations that were brought up uh, in a congressional hearing. I'm pretty sure we'll probably hear more of this stuff as the months go by. You know, but uh, Kevin's going to be joining me over the next few weeks. We've got other topics. Uh, We promise this is not going to be this topic. Uh, I know (laughs) some people want to talk about more, uh, you know, meat and potatoes topics. And we do have a a show next week. And we're going to look at the effectivity of Operation Lone Star. That is the state of Texas's program to uh, curb illegal immigration. You know, there's a lot of controversy with regards to some of the barriers that are being put up on the Rio Grande. So we'll be looking at that as well. And so stay tuned uh, next week for that uh, exciting episode. And we welcome Kevin on board. And we will see you all next week um, at 8 a.m. Uh, on Facebook, YouTube. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Oh, God, I'm running out of uh, of social media networks. (laughs) Uh, Spotify, Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch for those millions. Did you say say 8 8 a.m.? Sorry, 8 p.m. No, 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 no. Yeah. We're not going to do an an 8 a.m., you know. But uh, so, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. Like I said, we've got some interesting topics coming up, and it's getting more exciting every day. Uh, We've got the Republican, uh, the first Republican presidential debate scheduled later on this month on the 23rd. So we're going to have a preview as well of that, Uh, you know, and we'll look at the candidates and uh, you we hope that you guys tune in. Kevin, have a great evening and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Not Thanks for problem. having me. Good it night. was great. Good night. Hope, hopefully we didn't bore everybody. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All righty. Everybody, have a good night. Take care.